You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, today in Walk It Out, we're going to be talking about caregiving. And the book we're going to be talking about is Prayers of Hope for Caregivers. And I have all the feels when it comes to this. I was thinking about it every day of my adult life. I have been caregiving every single day. So I had my son when I was 17 years old. Um, I had three kids by the time I was 22. My grandma moved in with us 20 years ago. She's now 90 years old. I cannot believe this. When she moved in, I mean, I I knew I wanted my grandma to live a long time. It's not like, you know, I just didn't expect it would be 20 years of caregiving for my grandma. And then we adopted seven kids. So I have to say, um, well, first of all, when I got this book, Prayers of Hope for Caregivers, I looked at it and said, I need this. And then, you know, it got under the piles because I'm a mom with all these kids. I pulled it out recently and it really spoke to my heart. So I'm super excited to talk about this book with the author today. And I'll tell you a little bit more about her. So Sarah Fargrave is an author of Prayers for Hope and Healing. She previously worked in as a CPA in corporate America for eight years before health complications from pregnancy changed the course of her life forever. She lives in the Midwest with her husband and two children. I'm super excited to talk to her and just hear from her heart um, how important it is for us as a caregiver or also if you're going through a medical struggle, any other struggle, how to reach out for help too. So welcome, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Tricia. I'm so excited that you're here and you have two kids and writing and all the things. Tell us a little bit more about your life. Okay. Well, yes. So I am an author. I have two kids. Um, I have a middle schooler and a third grader, and I just got to do muffins with moms with my daughter this morning at school. So that was fun. And um, so that's kind of the life I'm living with them. Um, My husband is... um, an entrepreneur. So we have kind of a unique life with that. Um, we, we make and sell toys. And so my house is kind of full of fun and games all the time. And <laughs> so cool. I didn't know about that, that about you. <laughs> yes. So, um, and so we survived Christmas and now he's, our next big thing is gearing up for the New York toy fair. So we get to go to that in February and it's kind of like the Super Bowl for toys and um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what I get to do on the side in my family life, which is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so I'm an author and um, used to work in corporate America, but God kind of called me into this new space of ministry and words. And um, yeah, so I'm just kind of living in step with him wherever he leads next. I love that. I know when um, I sent out the questions for the book, this this first answer that you put down really just like, okay, I need to know more about this. So you said my life story has largely been shaped in hospital hallways. 
Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm like, tell me more about that because that's not normal. That's not typical. And right from the beginning, we you know think about pain and struggle and hardship, and this is how your life was shaped. So tell us more about that. Yeah. Well, when I was four years old, my older sister was diagnosed with um, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, so that really is those early memories of mine are in the hospital. Um, as she was coming to get her chemotherapy treatments, I would mm-hmm. come along sometimes. And um, I remember walking those hallways and sitting on the floor in the clinic waiting room playing next to kids that you know, didn't have hair and um, were going through hard things. And her battle with cancer really lasted her whole four years of her high school life. Um, so I was between the ages of four and eight, and that really is all I knew. Um, we at different points had her at home. She and I shared a bedroom. And so there were times where she would be at home with her IV pole there. Um, so I would wake up to the beeps of the monitor. And um, so I, I learned from a young age that, you know, life isn't always easy and perfect and um, that people go through hard things. And I, I think I got very comfortable with that to know that, you know, I wasn't like, weirded out or scared by it, but that was just normal. And um, as I became an adult, I um, I ended up with medical complications, like you said, through, um, it was actually a delivery of my son and went through multiple surgeries. I was on long-term disability for a year and a half, um, hoping and praying to be healed of a condition that was extremely rare. And um, through that season, I got a taste myself of what my sister had walked through. You know, I was young and kind of looking at it from the outside. But once you are the one in the hospital bed, you start to, to really gain a, a different understanding of how much your life is altered, how much you feel bombarded, really, on all sides. Um, and so I made, the, made it through that season um, healed thank the Lord. Um, but it wasn't too much longer after that. I would say a year and a half to two years later, um, my sister who had miraculously survived cancer, um, 20 plus years afterward, um, discovered that her heart had been damaged by the chemotherapy and radiation from all those years ago. And so her only chance of, um, moving forward in life was a heart transplant. Mm. So at this point I had, a young family. I had my, my son was about three years old at that point. I had a newborn daughter and my sister moved into the hospital just down the road from me. It was three hours from her home. So I found myself thrust into that role of caregiver. Although at that time, I really didn't think of myself as a caregiver. I was just, I thought of myself as just the sister, you know, supporting her. Exactly. But looking back, it was definitely a caregiver role. I was kind of that main contact point with the hospital. I was visiting her as often as I could. I was um, being kind of her gopher um, for when she needed things. She she was literally tethered to the wall. She, she couldn't move more than a couple steps from her bed because of all the monitors. And so um, I... I was doing a lot for her at that time. Um, I was housing her family when they would come, all the family members. And her wait for the heart was a, was around six weeks. And then after she was released from the hospital after her transplant, she lived with my family for 
a month. And um, so everything got shifted during that season. You know, the bedrooms got shifted around. Um, right. The food that I made was different because of all her of all of her medical needs. I was trying to be a mom to my kids, but also support her emotionally and all that she was dealing with, and even just physically. And um, that short amount of time. It really wore me out. And Trisha, I just can't believe, you know, you saying 20 years um, that you see, so you know, even more than I do that, how much that just um, turns your world upside down. And you you learn to live, live with the shift. It, it just becomes normal. Um, yeah. But just like when you're in the hospital bed, you are kind of bombarded from all sides. And um, so, yeah, so I've gotten a taste of it. Uh in many aspects, um, and a lot of formative memories take place in the hospital, both as a young child and as an adult. Yeah. And I think I want to go back to that young child too. Um, because that wasn't my experience growing up. I mean, I don't, I think when I was in sixth grade, I visited my grandma once in the hospital. So that wasn't my experience, but it was interesting because when we started adopting kids, um, one of them has an autoimmune disease and she spent a lot of time in the hospital. Um, and even when she was in foster care. So sometimes there would be maybe a foster parent and then later she was in a children's home. So it would be their house parent that would take her, but sometimes it would be a DHS um, transporter that would be taking her to appointments. It's, it's hard to imagine, wow. um, first of all, going through those things. And you know, after we adopted her and she moved in, um, I would take her to appointments and she had to have infusions for a time, you know, monthly. And we would go and it's the same area where they do the cancer treatments and other infusions. And I remember walking in there and seeing um, we were, in fact, we were just there for a checkup last week. And there's these, you know, one beautiful teen girl that was sitting there. I mean, just gorgeous. And she's getting an infusion. I don't know what kind. Another, it looks like someone that would be on the basketball team, this tall, handsome African-American kid laying in another bed getting an infusion. And I thought, you know, so many times we drive by hospitals. And, you know, I've driven on this highway many times before we adopted our daughter, not even thinking about all the lives, all the families all the changes. And uh, but that is an experience for so many people and just really made my heart tender for those families. Um, because I didn't have that growing up. And now with a daughter, we're there a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges also for the kids at home. You know, I can't come home, I'm going to be late, the appointments lasting longer, you know, we have to go to another clinic and the whole family is involved in that. Um, and I think that's something that we often don't think about. Right, right. And you said we drive by hospitals all the time and don't notice them. But when you're in them, you you are kind of, uh, there's no other world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, like you said, you get stuck in appointments or in a waiting room and you really are bound by their timetable. And it very rarely is what your timetable is. And um, it can, I don't want to equate it to a prison, but sometimes it can feel that way because you just, yeah. you, you just need a break from it. Um yeah, so that's a good reminder. I think just in in my everyday life now that I'm relatively healthy again, you know, anytime I drive by a hospital, that's an opportunity to pray for those that are in those walls. Mm -hmm. And one of the um, sections of your book is when you feel caught in an endless cycle. And I think that's so many times you're like, why do we have to do this appointments and this and that? And it is tiring. It is consuming. You know, I mean, even yesterday, uh, my grandma's 90 and I go in there and I'm having to change bedding and 
her toilet's clogged up. I'm like, this has been such a part of my life that, you know, you, you do get used to it, but it does get tiresome. And I love how through the book, um, you know, you share stories, but you, because you've been on both sides of it, it really is something like, oh yeah, I feel that way too. I mean, the chapter right before the one I just mentioned is when you feel abandoned by your friends. Mm. And it's so true. Like they don't understand when you can't do this or, um, you know, you have an appointment or you're going to be at the doctor, (laughs) you know, it is hard for you're not spending time and connecting with people. And often people don't know how to help. And so I just love that in your book, you share hope from someone who's been there and then you give scripture and you're like, okay, I needed this reminder today. I was really tired and it was really having a hard day. And I just love that um, you give so much hope in your book. Yeah. And I really, a big goal of mine was that um, I do share some of my experiences, but my, my biggest goal really was to just point people directly to the savior and the, Mm -hmm. and the, the giver of hope because um, he, sometimes he's all we have in those seasons. Like you said, um, friends, whether they mean to or not, may abandon us. You know, I think of, um, my mom during the season of my sister's illness, the hospital where they came for chemotherapy was three hours away from our home. And, um, so she spent a lot of time away from home and she had, you know, some very good friends who would step in and especially help with watching me and my brother, um, up there. But, you know, even just the presence of someone with her, um, at those chemo treatments, it it just wasn't even physically possible sometimes. And so in those moments, really all we have is, is Christ and his presence to give us that hope. Yeah. And I love that. And that really um, is where we need to turn. I mean, and there's days, I mean, there's days now I'm so tired and I just lay in bed. I'm like, kids, just give me 15 minutes. I promise I will make dinner. But, you know, after running appointments and this and that, and uh, grandma needs something and the kids need something. And it's like, I need that time to recenter. I'll put on a worship song, I'll, like send up a prayer, uh, maybe put on the Bible app and just have scripture. And that is where we can find strength. It's like, turning to him over and over again really makes a huge difference. And I want to talk to you about, um, you know, we, we talked about your sister's illnesses and being in the hospital, but then, you know, when you have medical challenges, I mean, how did that change things? And even questioning like, God, like I'm supposed to be a, a wife and a mom and being mm-hmm. able to handle all these things. Tell us, talk about questioning God's plan during that time. You know, that really was a, um, a formative season for me, but in the midst of it, it felt incredibly hopeless. Um, mm. Because of how rare my complications were from delivery, I um, still to this day have not met anyone who experienced that or honestly, even among my friends. And, you know, this was the stage when we were all reading the baby books and websites. No one had even heard of it um, being an, a possibility, a possible complication. And so there were many times where I felt alone. I I had wonderful friends who came and supported me and and walked alongside me. But in terms of a depth of understanding, I really didn't have anyone. And so that left me feeling um, very isolated. Mm -hmm. I... I wish I could say that there were that every day I felt God's presence, but there were a lot of days that I didn't. Um, I I became very depressed. 
I, I struggled with suicidal thoughts at times because of how worthless I felt. And I've learned that um, that is, I think, something very normal, maybe not the suicidal thoughts, but some form of depression is very normal in someone who is going through a chronic illness or even a major surgery that um, as the person walking alongside them, that we could probably expect some form of that to happen. Um, but in the midst of it, that is your world. That's all you know. Um, because of the nature of my condition, I um, I was on long-term disability, so I was technically still employed in my corporate job, but I wasn't able to work. And um, so my husband would take my son to daycare during the day um, when he went off to work because I couldn't be home alone with my son. I wasn't allowed to um, lift more than eight pounds after my surgeries. And so that just added on that layer of like, I feel worthless, I feel useless. And um, God really broke through to me, though, through um, books, through fiction books, um, through story. I um, didn't have much to do to pass the time. And so I read a lot of books. And that was one way that I... um, I still saw a little bit of hope, not a lot of hope sometimes, but but it gave me that little glimpse of light and kept me holding on. And, um, but, but the days in the midst of it were very hard. Um, but I think what, what's really neat is I can pinpoint specific moments where, um, the light broke through. And, and there's one instance where I was waiting in the doctor's waiting room for my checkup. And, and I had been having symptoms that I knew were not a good sign yet again. And I sat there and at the time I had this little, um, new Testament Bible, you know, those little tiny new Testament Bibles and I had it in my purse and, and I, um, I pulled it out and it had Psalms and Proverbs in it. And, you know, I know we, I don't always do this where I just open up to a page and see what the Lord wants to reveal to me, but that's what I did that day. And I turned right to Psalm 139 that said, you know, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And that image of him knitting together and weaving together everything inside of me gave me such hope and comfort in that moment that, you know, something that I was dealing with was was microscopic. Even my doctor was having trouble pinpointing some of it. And yet God knew. You know, mm. and that gave me such comfort that, you know, he he will give the doctors wisdom, but ultimately he he's got me. He he's taking care of me. He hasn't abandoned me, and um, so it was moments like that that really um, helped me carry on. Yeah, I I love that um, God is there, and I also love that you can share because I felt this way too. Sometimes. It's- that we feel God isn't there. Like, even though Mm -hmm. we may say, God, I believe you. I know you're there. Uh, I have a hard time feeling it right now. And I think that's okay to talk about. I think sometimes we're afraid to share that. Um, You know, for me, we've adopted kids from foster care. that have had a lot of issues, a lot of trauma that I'm dealing with. And, um, you know, it's been years of every day, there's some type of conflict I have to deal with. And, And even saying, you know, God, you knew all the issues that we'd have. Um, and I know these kids needed a home and they needed um, hope and healing in their lives, but this is really hurting me. And this is really bringing a lot of pain in my life and a lot of hardship. And I know you love me, but I don't feel loved because basically 
um, you allowed this to happen and you knew that all this would be really hard on me. And just having those conversations. And then, like you said, a, a scripture will come up. Um, one day I was having a hard day and I said, God, just send someone to pray for me. Cause I just, I'm at the point where I most don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got an email from a friend who was answering an email from, um, a group that I'm in a, a prayer group that I'm in with writers. Um, and she said, Trisha, I just feel I need to pray for you. And she just like put this like three sentence prayer out there. And I, the email come, came like literally 10 seconds after I said, God, just send me someone to pray for me. And, <laughs> wow. you know, so she was typing even before I even uttered that prayer. And I just started bawling and I texted her and I said, you don't know. I just prayed that God would send someone to pray for me. And I got your email just now. And she goes, well, here's some songs that I feel you need to worship or worship to. And so she sent, she sent me the links to a couple of YouTube songs. And in that moment, like that was exactly the messages I need to hear. And it's like, God, you know, here I am saying, I don't feel loved right now. <laughs> you know? And and then he's like, okay, I gotcha. Like he's not, you know, afraid of our questions and he knows our pain. Um, but I just love how, you know, and sometimes there is, you know, that hasn't happened every day. Like there's been days where <laughs> I'm like really struggling and it hasn't been like the perfect email or this, but there are those moments that we can cling to where it's like, okay, he knew what I was going through and he knew what I needed in that moment. And I think, you know, the older I get, the more I care, give them all these things. Um, it just makes me so thankful first that we can turn to him. I can't imagine like I'm walking through the children's hospital. I can't imagine people that have to go through that, that don't have God to turn to and don't have his strengths. And it just reminds me that we need to give that hope to everyone, not knowing what circumstances they're going in, going through. Right, right. And I love, um, you know, I, I found comfort in Psalms. And I think Psalms really is the place that give that shows us that it's safe to be honest with God. You know, I love how, David um, didn't hold back when he when he had questions or um, doubts or felt abandoned, and we we can model that. And I think in those seasons, that's a great book of the Bible to turn to when we don't know how to put into words our own difficulties. Okay, friends, we're taking a short break because there's someone that I want to introduce to you. I love sharing my friends, and today. I want to share my friends in the form of sharing one of my favorite podcasts. So do you have sometimes feel like no one is praying for you? Do you struggle to realize that God hears your prayers and wants to intercede on your behalf? Do you love the Bible? I know, friends, I love the Bible. Then consider listening to my friend Mary DeMoose podcast. It's called Pray Every Day. You can download Pray Every Day app on the iTunes store or Google play, which is just amazing. She has her own app for that. You can listen on Alexa device. And if I'm in the kitchen, I'll say, Alexa, play, pray every day with Mary DeMuth. And then I see my friends, hear my friend's sweet voice coming through. Or you can go to prayeveryday.show for daily encouragement. Mary reads the scripture, then prays for you according to that scripture. And this is not fluffy prayers, friends. These are heart felt prayers. I've been listening for a year now, and I can tell you, it's deeply influenced my joy and helped me to know that God is always with me. So be sure you check out Pray Every Day by my friend, Mary. Yeah, and I even thought about that as I'm, we just um, released, the book I released was The Grumble Free Year. Mm -hmm. And so there is, you know, 
of course, we know the Israelites, especially in Numbers uh, chapter 14, they're just grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. And God is so tired of it. And he's like, you will not enter my rest because of all your grumbling. He's so tired of it. But I'm, you know, I'm thinking, so should we just not complain ever? And that's what God led me to was to David. He would be like, you hate me. You know, you, I mean, you've turned your back on me, God. But then at the end of all his laying out his pain and complaints to God, he says, but yet will I trust you? And he would always turn it back around. I think that's the difference. The Israelites were just complaining and complaining, complaining, and not being thankful and not turning it back around and not trusting God. And David laid out his complaints. And, but at the end he said, but you know, yet will I trust you? And I think that is, that was such a huge lesson for me. Like we can still go before God and like, this really stinks in this season of my life right now, but I will trust you. And I know that you, um, you talk about that in the book and um, just in your turning, the turning point in your walk with God is that experiencing his power and words and his word to give you comfort, even during really hard days. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, he, he knows our thoughts already. And I think that's, what's kind of funny is sometimes I think I can fool him, you know, okay, well, Mm -hmm. if if I say this prayer out loud, then that will cover up what I'm really thinking, but he already knows. And I think that when we just acknowledge it and lay it out before him, it frees us from trying to put on this mask that is kind of pointless because he sees through it and it, it just removes those barriers between him and us um, and gives us that ability then to move forward toward hope and trust much quicker than if we were to try to keep the mask on. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's talk about practical things because mm-hmm. sometime in our life we will either be in need of caregiving or we will have to provide caregiving. So are there practical things that we can do? So let's let's talk about um, helping someone who's maybe in a caregiving role. Maybe we have a friend who is dealing with a a sick spouse or a child that's going through, you know, medical issues or something. What can we do that are practical ways to help someone who's maybe in a caregiving role right now? Okay. So just to make sure I understand, you're talking about us coming alongside, how can I support a caregiver? Is that what you're asking? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I think the first thing is to just understand that um, their needs are are honestly going to be multifaceted. So um, they are probably going to have physical needs, maybe, um, you know, struggling to get food on the table because they're, you know, splitting time between home and the nursing home. Um, One example is uh, a good friend of mine had a a major health crisis come up with her infant daughter. And um, so I, I gave her my book, but then I went out and I bought a um, gift card to Papa John's pizza, (laughs) you know? And I thought, well, that way they can, you know, I'm sure there's a night that it'll be stressful or she's at the hospital And someone can order pizza and it'll be driven to their door. So, you know, just thinking about those kinds of things, like what's the easiest way that they can be fed? Um, You know, if you have the time and ability to make a home-cooked meal, that's great. But um, even just a gift card that can give them flexibility. Um, Physical needs as well, when you think about finances, they can be very tight um, for families going through something, especially a major issue that... um, 
you know, I think of, of my, my parents and my sister's cancer journey and the kind of medical bills that came in over the course of years. And um, so even just a general gift card, uh, you know, like a visa gift card that can be used anywhere can be really helpful for them, you know, just to cover gas costs or hotel costs. Um, just, you know, there's a lot more eating out that happens. Mm-hmm. And so all those little expenses that maybe we we haven't been there and don't know what they are. Um, a gift card like that can be really helpful because then they can use it for anything. Um, I would say also just being there and being present if you can. Um, I know there were times where where sometimes friends of my mom were able to ride along to go to the chemo treatments. And that just meant so much to her to have someone sitting there um, with her because there was a lot of waiting in a waiting room by herself. Yeah. Um, you know, sending sending notes and checking in even too. That's really simple. But um, with our phones, it's really easy to reach out to someone, you know, with a text or even a video message and um, just say, I'm thinking about you today. How can I pray specifically for you? And, um, and you know, stepping in to help even just with their the family that they have at their home, um, you know, especially if it's a, a person with a younger family, they you know, I think of my situation where my mom had other kids at home. And so yeah. stepping had she had friends that stepped in to help watch us or run us to, um, you know, practices or lessons um, for her. So um, and, and same for my dad, you know, my, my dad was working very hard to, to provide for us. And so it was a stressful season for everyone. But um, yeah, if you just think about those those um, everyday tasks, you know, even are you going to the grocery store? Maybe check in and say, hey, can I grab you something while I'm there? Because I know that, you know, you may not have time to get there this week or um, just those everyday things that you take for granted. Maybe think about, do they have the ability to do that this week? And how can I help them with that? I love that. So you had um, physical needs like food or helping with childcare and or grabbing something from the grocery store. Financial needs could be money or gift card, like you mentioned. Um, emotional needs is being present with them, sending notes or even, I love the text or video message. I think video message is an awesome thing just to, you know, get their little face and get that encouragement. But for spiritual needs, I know sometimes when you are going through a difficult time, people say the wrong things. Yes. (laughs) uh, But I appreciate it recently. I was, I was having a struggle and sharing it with a friend um, uh, dealing with one of our children. She's like, I don't know what to say. And if I say something, it might be dumb. So just know I'm praying right now. And that, that just like helped me. Like yeah. she's not trying to figure out the right answer. Because um, sometimes we, no one knows the right answer. But it's just letting them know that you love them and you're praying for them. Yeah. And I I think um, there's, there's well, there's a couple things that come to mind. One is that, um, you know, when we pray, I think it's really meaningful if we let them know that we prayed, but also maybe what we prayed for. Um, and maybe on those video messages that you send, you know, if you're brave enough, you could even pray on the video. Um, I, I have a couple author friends that we, um, we check in each week and we pray for each other on video, you know, and you, um, it's really powerful because not only is the spirit, present when the person prays, but when that person watches it over. And, and I heard someone else say that, that they had a friend leave a voicemail with a prayer on it and they listened to it not once, but more than once, you know, when they needed it, they went back and listened again. And, um, so I think that can be really powerful for us to do. 
And, you know, it also points to why I really felt prompted to write the books I did as well, because I think giving a gift like that, um, a, whether it's my books or some other book that will encourage them where they are, can be sometimes the best thing we can do to spiritually support them because we may not be there with them at all times, you know, to, to meet their needs. But um, really that's why I structured my books the way I did so that the person can pinpoint that specific moment of need that they have and turn to the page to find encouragement. And so as friends, when we gift someone with a book like that, that says, Hey, I'm here for you now. But then when you have this need, here's a way to stay connected to God in that moment too. Yeah, I love that so much. And it is because, I mean, just reading through, and I haven't read the whole thing, but just reading through pages in your books, I could tell that you can speak to my heart. Maybe someone else might know the, might not know the right words to say, but, you know, by, if you hand this book to someone, it's like, okay, Sarah's understands she's been there and she could, she could maybe offer you encouragement because I don't know what to say right now. I think that is <laughs> such an important thing. Um, and I, you know, like you said, I've had people walk up to me in church that I didn't even know very well that, you know, when we adopted kids, like here is money and, um, uh, or here's a pizza gift card. It was actually a pizza gift card. Cause I know that there's going to be a day this week when you don't feel like cooking and just like tears just sprang to my eyes. Cause I'm like, she saw me, you know, I didn't even know her. I didn't even know her first name at the time, but she saw me at church and that was just so um, meaningful to me. And just last week I had a friend, um, she's, she lives on the next block over and her husband was in the hospital and I texted her the first day I found out, I'm like, do you need me to bring a meal? And she's like, well, I'm actually up here and I just gave money to the boys. Um, she has a, a son in his twenties and a son in his teens and they're just getting fast food. We're good. And, um, I'm like, okay, well, two days later I knew he was still in the hospital. And so I'm like, Hey, how are you? Do you need anything? And she goes, actually, uh, you mentioned a meal earlier. We would love a home quick meal because we've just been um, eating fast food. And so, yeah. you know, I, I make big meals anyway because I have a lot of people. And so we just threw in some extra ingredients and, um, you know, she lives a block over. So we just ran it over there. And it took me hardly any extra time because I'm already cooking. And um, but I think it's important to ask again. Like, you know, it was a couple days later when I said, Hey, how are you still doing? And do you need anything? Because sometimes, you know, I think people try to be brave or they don't want to bother us. Or maybe at that moment, like she was good. Like they were still, you know, just at the hospital. Her kids were good. A couple of days later, you know, checking in on them. And I think that's so important to do that. Like, like, well, I asked and they didn't need anything. <laughs> well, you know, you never know how this week is going. Yeah. And even day to day, like you said, just two days can make a big difference in their circumstances and their energy levels. Um, that's yeah, you're right. Ask again. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we talked about how you can help people um, personally who, you know, if you're offering help to others. Now, what if you are in need, what encouragement can you have for maybe if you're in the hospital or if you're going through something, because I struggle with this, I struggle with mm -hmm. asking for help or reaching out to other people. So what encouragement do you have for that? Well, I think one thing, first of all, is um, step number one is to maybe just take a minute or two during your day to, to check in with yourself and say, how am I doing? And maybe just jot down some specific areas that are 
feeling off that day or, right. you know, for a caregiver, you know, maybe just looking at your calendar and you can say, okay, this is going to be a challenging day and pinpoint what are those, what are those highest needs that, that I have that will help me through that. Um, and, and it's just like, as we're thinking through the lens from the person helping you, um, you have those same needs, physical needs, um, spiritual, emotional, and, um, and so I guess, first of all, is just having that awareness. Um, and, and the reason I say that is someone who gifted my caregiver's book to someone this week said that her friend said, oh, it's so encouraging. I never realized all the emotions that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes just pinpointing them and even writing them down um, can be really helpful to kind of, you know, get it out of your head and put it on paper and realize, oh, yeah, this is this is my need. Um right. And then um, I guess the next thing, too, is to have some answers maybe ready for people, if you can, you know, if in, in that moment when you ha- are able to think through it. I actually, a blog post I wrote a couple of years ago um, is something to the effect of what to say when someone asks, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really like a list of, you know, maybe 15 ideas of what you could say, Um and how to frame it um, to ask for help. So some of it's like, I could use a meal or um, I could use something from the grocery store. Or sometimes it's just, you know, I I, I can't think of anything right now, but I can always use your prayers or, yeah. um, you know, I need a hug. Can you give me a hug? Or, <laughs> um, right. you know, the room at the hospital is really dreary. Do you think you could pick up, you know, a $5 bouquet at the, at the store and bring it over? Or some twinkly Christmas lights, you know, to hang up, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask, uh, for that help. But I think first of all, we have to understand, um, and, and I don't say that to make it be stressful. You need to like check in with yourself, but I think just a quick check won't hurt, um, to, to help pinpoint. And I think it's freeing for us to, to acknowledge where we're struggling, um, so that we can get more meaningful help for that need. Yeah. And I think, you know, I love how you said a quick check because if I'm feeling agitated or frustrated or even tired, um, sometimes it'll be like, I'm really frustrated, but it's not about making dinner or the kid that just left muddy shoes. It's really about this other issue or about worries about the test result or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. because it's not even the thing that's going on in that moment. And I, I do agree so much of doing that check to say, how am I doing and putting it on paper and, you know, saying, God, you know this. and But just being aware yourselves because so many times those emotions will kind of hijack the rest of our day <laughs> and we, when we could deal with it. Like, this is what I'm really worried about. I could pray about it now. I can give it to God and I don't have to be cranky with my kids or I don't have to, um, you know, be overwhelmed with all my day because really it's just this one thing that's bothering me. And that helps so much to get it on paper. And I love, I'm going to pull up that. Um, blog post and put it in the show notes about what to say when someone asks how I can help. Because, um, you know, I've had, um, you know, counselor friends saying like, when someone asks you, you need to give them an answer. Because <laughs> right. usually I'm like, I'm fine. So I will say, actually, if you, would my kids be able to come to your house for a couple hours? Or, you know, just having those those answers already because the first thing out of my mouth is no we're good I'm fine which I'm not good and things aren't fine right now um and I love that like being prepared ahead of time so my friend that's a counselor is like you better 
you better tell them what you need next time someone asks. I'm like, okay. But it makes you think about it. And like you're right, sometimes when you're tired and overwhelmed, you don't even know how to give an answer. Um, and there have been times when someone at church you know, has said, how are you doing? And I'm like, okay, do you really want to know? <laughs> because right. this is what's going on. And they're like, do you want me to bring a meal? And I'm like, actually, that would be amazing. So it, it is just being real and vulnerable. And if they're asking, you know, they, some, I mean, sometimes not at church always, but usually they want, they really want to know and they really want to know how to help. Um, and so, you know, it's okay. It's okay not to feel like we always have to have our act together or we can do everything ourselves, that there are other people that God is sending to us to offer help and to be his hands and feet to us and to our families. Yeah. And I think a big part of that too, is to show ourselves grace, that it's okay to not be able to do it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just, you know, asking others for help, but, you know, as you do that quick check, say, what is stressing me out that really isn't necessary today and let it go, you know? Um, And, and, you know, I am a perfectionist. I'm a to-do list kind of person. So that can feel stressful, but in those seasons, that's just what you have to do to survive sometimes. And so don't be hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. You're walking through a hard season and that's okay. You can ask for help from others. And if some things just have to drop off the list altogether, Life will go on. It's okay. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, you could lower your standards on how the house looks and what's served for dinner and, exactly. and all those things. And um, one story, I just want to share this real quick. One story that I shared in my book, um, The Grumble for Year, that I just released, um, was my grandma broke her back um, right when we like we were three months into our quote grumble for year that we weren't going <laughs> to grumble about anything. And now, I think the Lord was testing you, wasn't he? <laughs> so she broke her back, and we brought her home from the hospital because um, I I knew like I knew in my heart if we put her like in a nursing home she would just continue to go downhill because it was like when my kids came to see her she like perked up and so I'm like no we need to bring her home but that meant me changing diapers and you know wow. bathing her and we had therapists that would come and so it was a lot like intense caregiving but it was during that season when we were supposedly not grumbling which I'm like I can't even think about this right now I know I'm supposed to be writing a book about not grumbling but I can't even think about it that in her pain and in her weakness and not even be able to sit up on her own my grandma would just lay there and praise God and just sing hymns to him and it was such a good example for my kids like look at this this is what she accomplished she hardwired praise into her heart all those years of praising God that's what came out when she was ill and so even though it was a super hard season like now she's back up and walking she gets into trouble because she's always sneaking snacks in the in the pantry again you know she's good um but that season wasn't only um important just for me to care for her i mean you know to, to show my love to her in that way but also for my kids to see like this is a really hard thing about my grandma but she's praising god and so it ended up actually teaching us a lot about not grumbling, even though it wasn't how I planned. And so those seasons, sometimes when we're going through the hard stuff, other people are noticing. They're noticing God's love. They're noticing his light shining through it. Even if we can't see it or even if we're having a hard time, they can see because they're watching to see how we handle hard seasons. And it is such a good example when we can continue to praise God, even when times are hard, whether we're the caregiver, whether we're the one of needing caregiving, 
um, his light can just shine through us so much. Right. And, and that really starts in those seasons when we're not in, mm-hmm. in the caregiving role, like you said, with your, your grandma, that was hardwired in her. And so in those seasons when life is easy, you know, that's the time when sometimes I can let things slide and um, feel like, oh, I'm good. I don't need God. But, but no, that's the time to be shoring that up and really storing his word in our hearts and that, that practice of praise and prayer, um, because we'll need it at some point. Yeah. Even that, more. We, yeah, we need that to be our go-to mm-hmm. when times get hard. Yeah. Oh, I love it. We could talk all day. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, and, and I love this book. So the book, again, is Prayers of Hope for Caregivers, Seeking God's Strength When Someone You Love Needs You. Um, and I just think it's just an encouragement all around. If you know anyone in a, a season of caregiving, and even, I mean, everyone's in a season of caregiving usually. So I I just encourage you to check out this book. Um, But just as we go, Sarah, what's maybe just one little message of hope that you can give someone that's listening that's like, okay, I just need something to hold on to today. Mm. The biggest thing that I am thinking of right now is that so many times, whether we are ill or helping someone who is, we just feel like we're operating from a place of weakness. But I love um, the scripture that says that God's power is um, made perfect in our weakness. And so when we are weak, we actually are allowing his power to shine even stronger through us. And so I would say, don't be afraid of the weakness and the difficulty that you're walking through, but just just stick to his side, keep seeking him and ask him to shine through his power, his glory, his strength um, to carry you, but to also shine through you to those that you're interacting with. Um, You are not where you are um, for no reason. You are there for Mm -hmm. a purpose. Um, He has placed you in the exact hospital, nursing home, um, family members home, for a reason. So shine there and let his power shine through you. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. Perfect thing to end on. Um, well, Sarah, where can people find more information about you and the book? Yeah. Sarahforgrave.com is kind of my landing spot for everything. So you can find um, more about my books, but also um, the the blog posts that we mentioned. There, There's a lot of other resources I have on there. Tons of resources for caregivers, people going through illness, the friends who want to help, um, tons and tons of stuff, meal delivery ideas, all all of it that oh, you can think of, perfect. ways to encourage and pray. Um, you can find all that there too. Oh, I love that. Well, I hope a lot of people will go and get the help and hope they need because I just love how you are using just the hard times in your life to um, just inspire others. So thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you, Tricia. And I admire you for the the sacrifice and gift that you are giving your grandmother and all the children in your home. You are an inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. That was so great just listening to Sarah's heart and just how God has strengthened her, um, even in the role of caregiving and in the role of needing caregiving. I wanted to share again the scripture that she um, shared, which is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power will rest in me. And I just love that scripture verse. Also, there's one that I thought about that I want to share as our walk it out scripture. 
and that is 1 Peter 5.10, and this is in the English Standard Version. And it says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And sometimes when we're in the middle of a dark, hard season, we can only think of that. Um, and whether Christ heals us on the, in this life or in eternity, he will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. So we can always look to that and look to see that there is a time of healing and restoration after this hardship that we're going through. That, again, that's First Peter 5.10. So let me just take a moment and pray for you. So dear God, I thank you so much. Um, for Sarah, I thank you for just the heart messages that she shared today. And I know that these are long, long seasons that she's walked through that have brought so much hope and so much wisdom and so much encouragement um, to her that she can share with others. Look, we don't want to go through those seasons, but I'm so thankful that Sarah used what she learned in those seasons to share hope with others. I pray that you will bless her, Lord. And right now I pray for every listener in the hard seasons they're going through. Maybe they're in the middle of one. Maybe they just got done with one. Maybe there's a hard season coming, Lord. I pray that um, even in the times where they can't feel you and question and wonder why they have to go through this, that they will look to you and maybe just whisper, Lord, help, or Lord, I love you, or Lord, be with me now. Um, Sometimes we think we have to say elaborate prayers, but we know that you are with us and just any whispered prayer that you were there. And I pray that you will be with my listeners through these seasons. I thank you for always being with us and loving us and um, giving us strength when we need it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, again, um, everything that we talked about is in the show notes. We have um, information about those blog posts that Sarah was sharing and um, links to all her things are in the show notes. So just go to walkitoutpodcast.com and you will find information there. If you know someone who is going through a hard season, pick up a copy of Prayers of Hope for Caregivers. I know it just ministered to me as I was going through it and it really will bring encouragement. And maybe you don't even know that person very well. Maybe it's just someone from church or your neighborhood that you know is having a hard time. Pick up a copy of the book and um, write a little note and and give it to that person. It'll make a huge difference. And again, if you know someone who's really struggling, send this podcast over, share it, share the link, post it on Facebook. You never know who needs to hear Sarah's words today. Um, But thank you so much for listening to Walk It Out. I appreciate you. I appreciate you um, just being here and and taking the time to listen and be encouraged and supported. You can always find out more about me on my website, which is trishagoyer.com. And again, the website for the podcast is walkitoutpodcast.com. Have a wonderful and blessed day, friends. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.